Indeed, man has a desperate need for divine righteousness. And today, as we continue our series in Romans chapter 1, here on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard reminds us of the remedy for us, the patient. God says, I want to channel my omnipotence that created the universe. I have chosen to channel that kind of power through a message. I want to channel it through the message that's concerning what Jesus Christ has done, and it will be like one of those uh, laser beams. When I center that gospel on a human heart, it can break the stoniest heart, it can rent the greatest blindness, and I just focus it on a sinner, and my power just breaks through, and it delivers them. From Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, hi there, good morning, and welcome. This is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. We're back in Romans chapter 1 today, series called Man's Need of Divine Righteousness. We're looking at the remedy for us, the patient, the ones in need of this righteousness. It's called the gospel. Paul explains it in great detail here in Romans. We begin in chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Catch up with us this morning and be encouraged, won't you? Here's Pastor Phil Howard now to get things started here on Truth For Today. What is this righteousness? This is the thing that uh, tormented Luther. He was teaching theology at the university there in Germany. And uh, when he came, when he used to study the justice of God, he said he came to hate God. Because what he saw in the term righteousness was the attribute of God, that God is absolutely perfect. He's absolutely just. And Luther's great problem as an Augustinian monk at about the age of 30 was how then can I ever get a verdict from this God that I'm right? I hate it that he's right because that means I'm condemned for I am a sinner. Luther, when he went to confession, and the priest that he confessed to was Staubitz. And Staubitz would nearly curse in the confessional booth and say, Martin, stop it! Because Martin would spend six hours in a confessional booth trying to name everything he'd done wrong the day before. Six hours a day. And the priest confessor says, you're driving me crazy, Martin. You can't not have sinned that much in 24 hours. But his conscience was awakened, and he measured every motive and every thought and everything going on in himself. He was awakened that he was before a holy God. And how could I ever be acquitted? How could I ever be accepted before this God? Oh, let me read to you. This is from Roland Banton's Here I Stand, the famous American biography. Uh, of Luther. I greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression, the justice of God. 
because I took it to mean that justice whereby God is just and deals justly in punishing the unjust. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy, God declares right those who simply believe. So what he came to understand is in the gospel is a gift of righteousness being offered from God. Not just saying a righteous standard you can never meet. The gospel says God, the just and holy judge of the universe, is offering you a right standing with him as a free gift. It comes by faith alone. And light broke out on this Augustinian monk. And when he heard Tetzel selling indulgences in Germany to rebuild St. Peter's Basilica and said, as soon as St. Peter hears the money in the offering ring, another soul from Purgatory Springs, he wrote his 95 thesis and said, how can we ever think we can buy a man one moment out of hell on the basis of an offering? The righteousness of God comes through the gospel. A gift of righteousness. A gift of righteousness. Well, what is the gospel? An offer of God's righteousness. And you say, what is this righteousness? We shall continue to look is, is none less than the righteousness of God's Son. Christ himself gives us his righteousness, of which Luther called it an alien righteousness, a righteousness not my own. So, this is a capsule of the gospel that began the Reformation out of the Dark Ages and begin a reformation to go back to a gospel that's unmerited instead of I could merit. Who is it for? Who is the gospel for? He says this. It's first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And when you go back here, it's both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. He does something. It's to every ethnic group under the sun. It's a universal gospel. There's no ethnic group that gets a different gospel. And in that world, it was the Jew versus the Greek, which in that world, if they understood everybody outside of Judaism, outside of being Jewish. And then he, he goes from ethnicity to what class are you in? He says, to the Greek and the barbarian. And the barbarian was a man who could not fluently speak Greek. He was the uneducated. He was the unimpressive. He was the low class. 
And Paul says this gospel goes to every color, race, ethnic category among the nations, and it covers every class, high caste, low class, untouchables, white trash, uh, uh, white elite, black low class, black high. It doesn't matter where you are in the strata of things. We got one gospel for all men. One gospel. Every category of men. If this church was loaded with PhDs and all millionaires, I'd preach the same way as I'm preaching today. They just probably wouldn't have me, but I feel comfortable with folks that just say, I'd rather go where the poor receive it gladly. That's my bias. Because they just have proven to be twice as receptive. Because need is on the end of their fingertips where money insulates you from God and it takes a double miracle to be saved if you're a rich man. And Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. So who is it for? Everyone. Who is it for in our neighborhood? That's the bigger question. Is there anybody on your block that it's for? Is there anybody in your sphere of influence that it's for? Paul says three things that reflect his attitude about the gospel, and I conclude with that. And I ask you, is this your attitude? And if it's not, may we repent. And by the way, repentance is a lifelong attitude of believers. It's not something you did when you just got saved. It's a lifelong characteristic. I'm willing to change my mind. And he uses a simple three I am's of verses 14 through 16. First of all, I am, and the old King James, a debtor to tell everybody. I am a debtor, or I feel a divine obligation to tell men this message. There's sometimes we sing a song, um, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and uh, one of the lines says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Did you know that biblically, you never get saved being indebted to God? You're never indebted to God. Lewis Chafer said it, grace never incurs a debt. It's a gift without incurring a debt. Did you know what? I could say on one hand, I'm not in debt to God because that would infer I could pay. I'm not in debt to God. I got a gift. It's, I'm not making no payments on it. He gave me a gift, and I'm never said to be in debt to him. But horizontally, I'm indebted to every human being on this planet that's never heard the gospel. If, if I take time to think of the implications of the message, does anyone get to heaven who never hears the gospel? My, my debt is horizontal. I, I feel a debt towards human beings, not God. I've been loaded with the riches of grace. Do I just hoard it, hoard it, and, and, and become a self-righteous, exclusive person? Boy, this isn't for you. This, we're the elect, and we're really special, and we're real clean over here. Don't want to be contaminated with you dirty old sinners. 
that fathered me, mothered me, my aunts, my uncles, my kin folks, my work fellows, the people I work on the job. You're just dirty old sinners. Paul, the self-righteous Pharisee, said, the message I bear weighs on me like an incredible debt of obligation. I owe it to the Gentile world to tell them God's offering them a free, righteous standing before him through no merit of their own. You know, the one thing I've been frustrated the most in this church is everything we try to do in evangelism. And the other men say we do good. I always feel we lousy. Because I see people who come week after week that I don't think ever share the gospel. Or at least I've had the joy of condemning you. I mean, we built this building. It ought to be packed, but we just got more parking. You know what? You can park now. We ought to be packed. We ought to be running 10,000, and then we would probably be reaching no, about 1%. Oh, we'd be half a percent of the 300,000 from Crockett to Alameda. We wouldn't even be making a dent. We can get 15 methods and argue all day over how to evangelize. Two things I found out. The early church didn't have a, a method for evangelism. They first waited in Jerusalem, and they got power from on high that turned cowards into witnesses. The reason you don't witness is you're overcome with being a coward, and that can only be accomplished by the power of the Spirit. To take a coward like Peter and 11 men that abandoned the Savior, he said, you wait in Jerusalem, and I will send you the power that overcomes this frozen mouth when it comes to talking the gospel. You can talk the giants. You can talk the A's. You can talk sports. You can talk anything you want to talk. But when it comes to the gospel, you can go silent. It is a work of God that makes you a witness, not a method. So first of all, you've got to say, is the Spirit controlling me? And then two, I would that God could put some of this uh, debt on Paul. Paul, let's see. Paul, do you feel obligated? Wait, how many of you would buy a boat ticket uh, outside of Joppa, take it all the way over to Ephesus, get off of it, Go to Lystra, always start at the synagogue, because he always started with the Jews. Get stoned there, and as soon as the mob leaves, and you crawl out from underneath these stones, maybe with the help of some uh, co-workers, you said, let's go over to Derby, and let's preach there. Because verse 15, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel. Well, you do it because you get big offerings because you get applauded. You got a big church. He said, examine this body of mine. I bear in my body the marks of suffering for Christ. Shipwrecks, beatings, whippings, I've endured. And some of us are afraid somebody might shut the door in our face. That's why I have to be a Calvinist. We would never win people with the Arminian view because we could measure up to Arminius. We don't work hard enough at it. But God has taken the free gift and set people on fire in his church throughout 2,000 years, and they can't be quiet unless they share it. And he says, I'm not 
Here, I'm, I'm obligated. And then two, I am eager to share it. And then he says, I'm not ashamed of it. Well, I don't want anyone on the job to know I'm a Christian. Well, they don't. You're doing good. You get an A. You cuss like the rest of them. You talk about the same stuff. They know, they know there's nothing different. You just uh, uh, listen to your Christian radio, maybe. But bearing testimony? Oh, that God would make us in these perilous times before Christ comes again, and all signs as I feel. You know, the Bible said we don't know the hour Christ comes, but we can discern the season. 1 Thessalonians 5.1. You can read the times and the seasons. His coming, I think, is coming around the bend. It's coming. Christ is coming. Everything that happened to San Diego is going to happen on a universal scale. Everything we're sitting on is going to be burned up, judged, and turned to ash. Because the judge is coming back to sentence everyone who doesn't put their faith in the gospel. It's kind of like a weather report, and Brother Noah turns on the TV. Hey, we've got clouds for the first time in 119 years. We might get rain. Get in the ark. Get everybody you can. This gospel, the greatest news, it's a positive message for people that are ruined for people dying in the ER room of the universe and only one doctor can solve and reverse it. I think of Ted and his girl this week had a serious fall and when you sit by the bedside through the night hoping things will turn for the better, what if you could tell your neighbors, there's only one person I know that can get you well. There's only one person that can take the drugs, the alcohol, the abuse, the pain, the fights, the nightmares you're living through well. I only know one person. Who? Who? I'll pay anything. You don't have to pay. You just got to hear my good news. Jesus Christ came and he paid for your sins that he might deliver you, salvation, that he might deliver you from your vain life and your hopelessness and your despair. God's offering you a gift at the hands of Dr. Jesus. Do you want to get well? There is a remedy, but you've got to take the medicine. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. I pray for us as a church. Oh, how can we be quiet? How can we invent so many reasons for not telling? May we become passionate, I mean, when I see Paul, I, I, I can't wait to see Paul. I, it's Jesus is the centerpiece, but to see what history says was a five-foot, three-inch Jew. What drove you to go to my ancestors, the Gentile world? My ancestors, I'm primarily Irish because my mother was full-blooded Irish, and my Howards are English Germans. And when I read Winston Churchill's history of the English-speaking people, 
when he says at the time Paul was preaching in Cappadocia, the English people were still practicing cannibalism as the Vikings came in, and at the end of a battle, they would eat the corpses. These are my ancestors, pagans, idol worshipers, cannibals. But somebody brought the gospel west, and it hit the island of England, and it touched Ireland, and it touched northern Europe. I happen to have an ancestry in those roots. What if it had never come to my people and your people? Somebody sacrificed. Besides the cross, somebody took Paul's role. Cross-cultural. I don't know these Gentiles. I don't buy their morals, their diet, anything. But, but I'm among you as one that simply has good news God has put me forever in debt to tell people that I did not even grow up with, that I learned to hate as a young Jewish boy. Let the Gentiles go to hell is what the rabbi said. Let none of the seed of Abraham perish. Who in our neighborhood, if God removed Valley Bible from Contra Costa County, would it make any difference in anyone's life? Or are we obligated? Are we ready? And are we not ashamed? We must be bold about what God has given in free grace. The problem is with us sharing it because God will unleash his power when the gospel is shared. Whether it's an Awana group, whether it's a home Bible study, whether it's a Sunday morning sermon, or if they sing the gospel tonight, and they will. Oh, We've got a laser rod in our hand that penetrates the darkest heart. Our Father, make us bold. Let us burn our excuses. I'm not interested just eating lunch with people. I'm interested in them hearing this good news. Men and women are lost. You've given us all the power and all the message we need to win ten worlds over. And yet, TV, waste of time, excuse, just life, comfort, the comfort zone. As I heard about these sisters in service this Friday, a woman going to a bleak region of Indonesia, leaving the comfort zone because... Heaven will be enough comfort for her when she gets home. Help us to step out of our comfort zone for the sake of giving the poor patient the only medicine that can change their destiny. Only you can do it, Father. I can't get the saints guilty enough. I can't get myself guilty enough to do it. I just want the joy of being a good news bearer, saying that's the one that told me how. I could find forgiveness and acceptance before God. What a privilege. A privilege you've not even entrusted to angels. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Here in the early chapters of the Book of Romans with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, series entitled Man's Need of Divine Righteousness. 
This is Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, and we thank you for joining us this morning, spending time with us here in God's Word. As we conclude our time together today, we would remind you that copies of the program and the series today's message was taken from are available from us by simply calling and requesting them. 855-833-9864 is our phone number. Again, feel free to reach us for a copy of the program, simply mention the date, or the series today's broadcast was taken from, and that series name is Man's Need of Divine Righteousness. Reach us at 855-833-9864, or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is the zip code. Now, we do have other resource materials available for you and your growth in Christ. They can be found at our website, valleybible.org. Also, service times and location for Valley Bible, all there on our website, again, valleybible.org. And when you stop by, drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. Make sure you also tap into our Facebook page as well, and we'll keep you updated and posted on series and happenings here at Truth For Today. When you're at your Facebook page, simply search Truth For Today Radio, and you'll find us. Like us, and then let friends know as well. Again, Truth For Today Radio. As a TFT sustainer, someone who comes alongside and partners with us financially, you'll also have access to our quarterly newsletters, a once-a-year special gift, as well as Take a Break. It's our weekly video devotional with Pastor Phil. And again, that is for our TFT sustainers, those who partner with us financially. Find out more by simply calling 855-833-9864 or swing by our website, valleybible.org. We would love to hear from you. As always, it's a delight knowing that you're growing in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word here on Truth For Today. And it's a great way to get the day started, isn't it? Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Truth For Today.